Well, you uh, think that you know that I'm back, and I am. Jeff Bennett here, Perspectives on America on this 22nd day of the month, officially George Washington's birthday, which is interesting because we'll be discussing a little bit of uh, George Washington later in this hour. We face some interesting situations. Um, I just finished going through some catalogs and choosing four pieces of music for today's program, which I think are very timely. Certainly the first one, the opening piece. We need to kick them when they're up and down. Because if not, we become the dirty laundry. But in fact, it's our politicians that the dirty laundry. They're monsters. They just never stop coming. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it until I die. Governments and politicians, my friends, are mankind's greatest threat to life and liberty. And they always have been. They never stop lusting for power. And they must be severely controlled. They understand nothing but power and force. But I don't think most of us even begin to comprehend how downright evil, and that's the only word for it, that too many of these so-called people are. In 1977, Professor R.J. Rummel wrote a book entitled Death by Government, where he provided detailed information and numbers of the literally hundreds of millions of people who have been killed by governments, plural, just since the year 1900. And in some cases, maybe he even understated the numbers. Because his book was published in 1977, he missed the countless millions butchered since then. Oh, it's not just that governments and politicians love to kill people, which is the thing throughout history that they've been at best at. It's about power, the desire, the craving to control other people, to tell us what to do. To obey them. And they want us to know and cater to them. But to think that they know best how to run people's lives and the utter narcissistic arrogance that goes ballistic and often murderous when the peasants don't kiss their feet and do as they command. That is, of course, how kings and emperors ruled throughout history and they were the ultimate government politicians and tyrants. And the mentality has not changed one iota today. Despite everything our founding fathers tried to do to prevent it from arising in this country. Oh, our founding fathers understood it perfectly. But as people like Biden that they warned us incessantly against. Apparently in vain. But just Biden... What about Abe Lincoln, Woodrow Wilson, Barack Obama, 
maybe Nixon, Clinton. But it's not just America where governments plague their people. Let me share with you some other examples of what we're talking about. First, Wide Awake Media on Twitter recently posted the following. It says, Brave Dutch farmers issued a stark warning to the European political establishment that if we farmers don't win this battle, then you will create a civil war in Europe. In all of Europe, you can see that farmers are actively being destroyed. They, the politicians, the governments, are creating food scarcity, and that is done on purpose. The entire European and Dutch population stands with the farmers. They want healthy food. They don't want insects. The farming sector is being decimated with lies and climate problems that are being created on purpose. We will show you we mean business because apparently that's the only way out of this. No more talk. We will fight back. Well, I can sit here and say more power to the Dutch farmers. What the European governments are doing is just heinous, beyond human language. Those European politicians are monsters, gargoyles. They're base. They're satanic scum. They almost make Hitler look like a saint. But it isn't the least bit surprising to anyone who knows the history of governments and their constant, unending, often violent, murderous lust for power. But as long as we're talking about the farmers in Europe, what are the farmers in this country going through? They're being destroyed. In many respects, they're being bought out. The purpose is to create this thing that I shared with you the other day that my wife went out and bought what she thought was meat. And I looked at the label and said, it isn't meat at all. It's maybe vegetable made to look like meat. We're having to be so damn careful what we're buying at the store because it isn't what it's purported to be. Our farmers are being run out of business. They're being destroyed. I shared with you several weeks ago the number of farms in this country that have now been taken over by the Chinese. Just as they're taking over the school districts in many areas in this country. And now we've got all these male, non-English-speaking Chinese that are coming into this country illegally. What's their purpose? Now we listen to another example from David on Twitter, or X, whatever you want to call it. France passed law criminalizing medical dissent. In his comments stated on February the 15th, the law was passed in France qualifying any opposition to MRNA-LNP objections as a sectarian aberration. And cancer is a penalty of up to, carries a penalty of up to three years imprisonment and a fine of 4,500 euros. I don't know what that translates to dollar-wise. But if you publicly gripe about jabs in France, vaccinations, you are liable to end up in jail. David Thunder says, I've got some words for it. Government, tyranny, despotism, slavery, and evil. 
But then my friends, look, look, this kind of stuff is not terribly shocking for France. That country hasn't done anything right since before the French Revolution. It's been said that the last great Frenchman lies buried in Napoleon's tomb. And he wasn't even French. Now someone else publishing on X or Twitter or whatever the heck it's called, called Without Papers Pizza. A doctor addressed a public school board meeting in Chilliwack, British Columbia, with concern regarding the board's code of conduct towards parents' opposition to the SOG-123. That's the Sexual Orientation Gender Identity Program. The board chairs muted the man's microphone and left the room. How dare these doctors or this doctor tell these gods on the school board about the danger of mutilating children for the rest of their lives? These superior elites don't want to hear about it. They only want the peasants to do exactly what they are told. Does this doctor actually think he knows better than the school board about children's well-being and health? Why, the nerve of this guy. A Canadian friend in Thailand tells us that Canada is further gone than the United States. Maybe they is, maybe they're not. Fourth examples. Even animals aren't safe from tyranny. According to the Telegraph, the UK government wants to castrate squirrels to meet net zero goals. I, I don't know, squirrels, squirrels climb trees or something, you know. Jesus, God. Oh, but right here in good old Merca, our Senate recently tried to ram through a bill that would give billions of American dollars to protect the border of Ukraine and yet do less than nothing to protect the borders of America. Stay tuned, folks. I don't think this is over. Republican Party has not yet been able to cower in such a manner as to convince its psychopathic voters to keep voting for them, but they probably will. New York City is cutting 6,000 New York Police Department jobs, jobs for Americans, to hand city taxpayer money to non-Americans who are illegally in this country. Government protection of citizens is being sacrificed to give money to criminals. Are you surprised? Why? How long are Americans going to stomach all of this crap? Monsters in government all over the world are once again on the march, building up their forces to eat as many people as possible. And they may never stop trying. And they never will. That is an absolute history. They might need to hide for one season, but they'll always reappear. And oh boy, they're back and forth right now in America and across the world. Anyone who trusts the government, any government, is a fool. deserves the slavery they will get. Commentary, Mark Lewis. Of course, 
you know, anytime I do commentary, I've always got to add a few little things here and there, right? Working on today's program, and uh, the second hour is pretty well put together, but the first hour was a little bit more difficult. And I just didn't feel like I was ready and was right and blah, 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 blah. And that particular piece I came across probably 20 minutes before airtime and said, that's on the money, honey. To all my brothers and sisters out there, veterans, there's something going on. I'm seeing more headlines relating veterans' issues than I've seen in a long, long time. I've watched for years the veterans being forced to live in the streets, getting questionable care. Veterans who deserve it, who need it. People who have been driven to drugs, driven down to the bottoms of what life is meant to be about. Once in a while, I come across a brief piece like this. There's a conservative military watchdog is grateful. Senator Tommy Tuberville has introduced legislation that would prevent this current administration from providing health care to illegal aliens at VA facilities. Because that apparently is what Joey wants to do. They want to let the illegal immigrants into the VA now? Let me tell you what. I have a 10 o'clock appointment tomorrow morning with someone from the Veterans Administration or Veterans Affairs, whatever the heck they want to call it, to discuss some potential issues that I may or may not be dealing with. You know, my two buddies from Vietnam keep trying to push me, go do this, go do that. You can get this, you can get that. It's problematic for me because I've always made it very plain and clear. Nobody owes me a damn thing for what I did in the military. Nobody owes me a damn thing for what I chose to do in Vietnam. Not just the job I was assigned for, but the position that I volunteered to be involved with which is assisting through in-flight, in helicopters, picking up injured and wounded human beings. Not only American soldiers who'd been wounded in battle, but also Vietnamese citizens who were supportive of our involvement in that catastrophe we would also pick up allies who had been wounded and injured some Australians North Koreans, South Koreans I knew a good number of them worked interactively with many South Korean military people but we also picked up captured, wounded Vietnamese enemies and got them into hospitals. 
that's what I volunteered to help do. I wouldn't trade a single day of it, and I don't expect any repayment for any of it either. Tommy Tuberville. <coughs> Excuse me. Alabama Republican recently went on television lashed out at Biden for providing health care administrative services to illegal invaders utilizing Department of Veterans Affairs facilities. And Tuberville says the lines now in the VAs are getting longer. Our funds that are supposed to go to the veterans are going to these illegal immigrants coming across. It is a disaster. It's just one of the many, many things that's causing this country to really go to its knees because of all these illegals coming in here. So Elaine Donnelly, president of Center for Military Readiness for Reaction, was contacted. She said, we have so many veterans who need health care, quality health care. Now people who are not citizens of this country seem to be going to the head of the line and getting the needed medical care ahead of the veterans. This is unbelievable. It's interesting how people are pleased that Tuberville introduced the No VA Resources for Illegal Aliens Act in December along with the Illinois Republican Representative Mike Bose that would ban such action. And they said, we're grateful to Tuber for Tuberville for once again standing up against this sort of thing in the Pentagon, and he's right to do so. I hope he does get some bipartisan support on legislation to stop this. And Representative Bost, a Marine veteran, cited failed border policies of the Biden administration as the culprit behind the national security crisis at the border. Allowing massive numbers of illegal entries into the country. He says, I believe any dollar taken away from a veteran is a promise broken to those who served And the lawmaker has demanded answers from the Biden administration and been stonewalled every step of the way. And while both bills currently have several co-sponsors, none are Democrats. Isn't that interesting? Absolutely interesting. Hmm. I cannot believe I just shut this thing down. I just shut down the wrong thing. So I have to go find it again. <laughs> Hang on a second. Come on, come on. Where are you? Where are you? I don't know where it is. It's disappeared. Oh, here it is. Duh. <laughs> God, how a mess. I got too much going on today. Too many things that I come across that, uh, in many respects, intertwine. Recall earlier in this hour, 20-odd minutes ago or so, I made reference to the fact that today is George Washington's birthday. 
as with many, but not all of our leaders. But in this case, George Washington was right. Political parties are worthless. I was in college, like many people, voting for the first time. What party do you want to register in, asked the person at a table on campus. I ain't in no political party. I'm independent. Two weeks later, I got a letter welcoming me as a member of the independent party, which existed back then. I called them immediately and told them to take me off their rolls. I don't want to join any club that wants me as a member, I said. Which somewhat paraphrased Groucho Marx. Well, that was the end. I was done. But not quite. I don't know if the independent party is still out there. Do you know? Is it? But that's the closest I've ever been to being part of a political party. I prefer to say I've never belonged to a political party and never will. I've never understood their value, our attraction to them, or why anyone would need them to tell us how to vote in a given election. Why do we even need them at all? Frankly, we don't, because they do more harm than good. They're more unproductive than constructive. They make it too damn easy for voters to make choices that are convenient and casual rather than contemplative and careful. Partisanship serves always to distract the public councils and enfeeble the public administration. It agitates the community with ill-founded jealousies and false alarms, kindles the animosity of one part against another, foments occasionally riot and insurrection. Parties, of course, are likely in the course of time and things to become potent engines by which cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people and to usurp for themselves the reins of government, destroying afterwards the very engines which have lifted them to unjust dominion. I didn't make up those words. I didn't even write them. George Washington did more than 200 years ago. In what, in what came to be known as his farewell address. It would be difficult to find a historical document in this country with a more direct and acerbic assessment of political parties. Washington, whose birthday we remember today, was terrified of the formation of political parties. They were called factions in his day. And he believed that individuals would become so enamored of their connection to a party that and so covetous of what the party could provide them that they would put matters of party over matters of country. And my friends, if we look at the current mess that is our political discourse today and the pernicious influence of political parties in the progress and life of our nation, then we begin to understand how prescient the first president of this country was 
pundits will tell us that parties have a purpose, a very useful shortcut for voters. That, according to David Carroll, a political science professor at the University of California, Berkeley, stated in a 2016 interview. If voters see a party label, he said, they instantly know a lot about the candidate. and That's very helpful for those who want to cast meaningful votes. Why, I ask? Because we're willing to, unwilling to do the homework necessary to ensure that we are informed as voters? Personally, the word shortcut is troublesome. I'll be right back. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you. And your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Email tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. Standing six foot four, weighing in 245 pounds of crime-fighting, political science, analyzing brawn. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Patrick Slattery. So, Mike, get off this anti-cicada agenda. I'm a born-again traditional Christian, and my favorite possessions are right here on my nightstand. That would be the King James Bible and my 357 revolver. I'd rather be ruled by Chinamen than Jews. Cool it with the anti-Semitic remarks, right? Just because you steal an election and terminate the Republic doesn't mean you terminate the people in the Republic, because we're still here. I'm not taking the vaccine. you, Bill Gates. There was a way forward still on January 6th. What needed to be done is to object to every single state. The COVID-19 virus was the setup. The vaccine could very well be the bioweapon. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few highlights. Extendivite works in keeping my blood pressure in the normal range. I have been using Extendivite for many years. Great product. I use regularly and I rarely get sick. This product has relieved what appeared to be angina pain in my chest and shortness of breath after climbing stairs. 
I'm quite happy about it. My husband, son, and I have been using this product for a few months now, and we have noticed an improvement in our joints and blood pressure. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. the first half hour I made the statement that the word shortcut is troublesome we put more research time into purchasing our next automobile than electing our next elected representative but you see our system of government is complex our problems are complicated human beings are richly nuanced Party labels are like cliff notes, a self-government cheat sheet that leads us to draw misinformed, conclu- misinformed conclusions and make uninformed decisions about who to credit, who to blame, who to vote for. And they tell us nothing about the most important quality, how a person governs with others. But are political parties the problem? Hans Noel, a political scientist at Georgetown University and co-author of The Party Decides, echoed a common conclusion among scholars when he said the electorate isn't any more polarized than it was 40 years ago, but the parties are. Most people say they're moderate, Noel has argued in the Washington Post, but in fact, the country is polarized around strong conservative and liberal positions. The parties simply moved in those two directions to align themselves with already existing ideological divisions in America. And that sounds more like a survival instinct than leadership. But you see, the result is that political species like Reagan Democrats and Eisenhower Republicans are practically extinct to moderate for today's party models. And so because they want to win, 
which serves their needs more than ours. The political parties have become more like the electorate itself since that's who puts them in power. If the problem with our political parties isn't the parties, but the partisanship, how, what do we do if the elaborate itself is partisan? Clearly the parties aren't offering any solutions. But is the electorate? In his farewell address, Washington warned of three forces that threatened the stability of the republic. The allegiance to political parties or political factionalism, interference by foreign powers in the nation's domestic affairs, that would be permanent alliances, and what Washington called geographical discriminations. We have been segregating politically for the last four decades, my friends, from 1948 to 1976. Election results in most of the nation's roughly 3,000 counties became more closely divided between Republicans and Democrats. In 1976, in more than half the states, the margin of victory in that year's presidential election was less than seven percentage points. By the 2020 election, just eight states had margins of 5% points or less. In 29 states, it was a blowout. More than 20% of the nation's counties had given up more than 80% of their vote to either Biden or Trump. And, of course, there's an awful lot of questions about the legitimacy of the final numbers. And yet, ironically, despite the vast wealth of information the digital age can offer, my friends, we've been retreating from the kind of enlightenment that comes with routine exposure to different values, ideas, opinions. As we become more mobile as a society, we chose to live in places that were more like ourselves, exacerbating the nation's partisan divide. John Kenneth White, the author of The Values Divide, puts it by saying that we have two parallel universes. Each side seeks to reinforce its thinking by associating with like-minded people, end quote. Hmm. Because if you don't like where you live, you could move to a place that aligns more with your values. There are those who believe that's democracy. But I would argue that that's the opposite of democracy. If everyone thought the same way, who would need democracy? There would be no need to vote. We'd all agree on everything, right? Oh, but that's an oversimplification. That we've made similar arguments in years gone by. Why would you listen to me if you agreed with everything I said? If you disagree, instead of turning the radio off, that's when you should turn the radio up. My friends, the great American experiment calls upon us to embrace diversity, to embrace all things in humanity that differ from ourselves, be it cultural, political, racial, ethnicity, sexuality, ideology, or any other ology we can name. Give us your tired, your poor, the statue says. Why do we seem to have more people than ever who think that's a threat 
or at least that's all we seem to hear about, including from someone running for president who not only bathes in such thinking, but has followers who adore him for it. The threat isn't diversity. It's the guy demanding ideological purity and uniformity of thought while calling it patriotism. That's not America. But if we continue along our current path, that may be all we'll have left of America. We don't have to sit around, hold hands, drink juice boxes, and sing kumbaya. The founding fathers knew differences were healthy and that they mattered. But they also knew that our common humanity mattered more, and debates over these differences should enrich our culture, not coarsen it. While herd mentality and tribalism are understandably instinctive traits, hardwired into our DNA across millennia, our power to reason allows us to rise above our instincts. If we're to make decisions that best benefit our nation, national interests, shouldn't we engage each other in a way that allows us to see different types of people and different thinking people as human beings, not adversaries, except for a number of problems here? We're not necessarily trying to talk with people that have got much common sense at all. The nation's largest voter bloc is now the independent, declined-to-state voter, apparently disgusted with both political parties, or more precisely, the partisanship therein. There could be a consequence that the parties become more extreme because the moderate voters have left it. It's the ultimate political version of the chicken and the egg question. Have we done to the political parties what we have done to ourselves, which in turn has done to us what we have done to our political parties or vice versa? The Human Genome Project has discovered that humans are more than 99% the same. Every non-age-related difference you can see, including gender and race, is rooted somewhere in the remaining fraction of a percent of our genetic makeup. And yet almost all of us spend about 99% of the time thinking about the half percent of us that's different. Not only obsessing over it, but even wishing it were more so. What are we losing or gaining in the process as we doggedly cling to our predetermined political ideology? uh, ideology? Or is it (laughs) idiotology? What now dominates our discourse, perhaps the competitive ratings-obsessed media landscape shares some of the blame, is that there's so few in the extremes of the discourse who can see the dishonor in what America's become. People cling to their theories. They take umbrage to dissent. They think themselves worthy of praise and their dogma worthy of obedience. How can we operate a self-governing country as big as ours, as diverse as ours, if too many of us have closed our minds to vibrant political differences and debate? Or if we elect officials who have also closed their minds to vibrant political differences and debate? Here's what Washington is saying to us today. You cannot sit this out. You cannot hide behind your labels or retreat into your comfort zones and cocoons doesn't matter what party you belong to or what ideology you follow or don't follow. It doesn't matter what you perceive as the ideal nation. You can't afford to sit this one out and let factions rule the day. They're not giving us much choice. People are shutting down. 
we've got this continual partisan rancor and putting an end to it will require us to make a painful admission that the problem isn't the people in office. Maybe in some respects it's those of us on Main Street out here in the electorate. We're the partisans sending partisans to the hall of government. We're the only ones who can put a stop to that. I like to think the independent voters are the ones who call themselves independents. Maybe could lead the way. Thinking not about party, but who is best to govern the nation? Who is more willing to work with others? To ignore the factions and instead collaborate and compromise. Every job ad, every job interview asks the same damn questions. Are you collaborative? Do you work well with others? That's often put at a higher premium than the skill sets themselves, my friends. With our vote, we hire these people. We are the employers. We are the government. Yet we never seem to ask that crucial question. Analysts and pundits would say the two parties lie between us and the solution. I say that if you, the voter, are a dyed-in-the-wool supporter of one party or another, then you, too, stand in the way of that solution. Does that upset you? Maybe it's time we all start thinking outside the box a little bit. There is no single solution. We're a pluralistic society fraught with complexities that require a willingness to compromise and a willingness to sacrifice so that we can best satisfy the needs of as many people while disadvantaging as few as possible. And the first political party that embraces that notion that parts company with the partisan politics and political gamesmanship dominating our discourse and calls out those who do so including fellow politicians in their own party and voters who might support them, that would be the party I would seek. Or you see, it's not a matter of political party or ideology or vendetta against the opposition. It's a matter of being better keepers of our country. The very challenge that Washington brilliantly foresaw when he submitted his farewell address in 1796, in writing, by the way, all which rings down to the corridors of history to us. <laughs> We're now standing in the precipice of a nation in the grip of the very crisis Washington enunciated. And my friends, I cannot think of a time in my lifetime where the advice of Washington was more critical, more relevant, more needed. There's some of the things I share with you there that I'd have to read and reread because I've got some concerns, but a lot of it makes sense. May 13th, 2002. I wrote and published an article entitled Sex, Drugs, Guns, and Rock and Roll. And that title is a leftover scene from the 60s. It has a tendency to draw our attention, doesn't it? But unfortunately, they're not the only things left over from the decade of peace and love. During that decade, we saw the birth of free love, forgetting that with everything, there's a price to pay. The nation had become steeped in moral decay as the epidemic of AIDS had spread worldwide. 
Some say that it was a virus developed in the U.S. Other ways say it was caused by monkeys and still others who believe it was caused by the rampant spread of deviant sexual behavior. Does it really and truly matter at this point what was the cause? For as a nation, we the people of the United States of America never seem to heed the lessons of history. Sodom and Gomorrah set the stage so long ago, and yet today anything seems to go in America. And we as a society have turned to stone. Our schools have become proving grounds for alternative sex education classes. Our children are being taught to accept anything which is considered outside the norm. Homosexuality is now openly being taught in the government-run fool system, sanctioned and promoted by administrations who got their education during that same tumultuous decade. All the while, parents sit at home and do nothing. I guess that their parents had taken too many drugs, thereby transferring the brain-dead cells to their children. And guns? What do guns have to do with the 60s? I remember the Kennedys, Martin Luther King, Oswald, Saran Saran, Kent State. Same liberal dope smokers, inhalers or not, are now running the zoo, which we call Congress. The same dope smokers have been reinventing the education system so that we can staff all schools with special child psychologists who liberally dispense Ritalin and Prozac to our troubled youth. Remember Columbine High School and the others? These socialist leaders and educators must have inhaled a lot because they want to disarm America and will go to any length to reinterpret the Constitution and the Bill of Rights so as to achieve their goals. Oh, might I suggest you read the communist goals? For remember, the sheep will go a long way without any question. As for rock and roll, other than being 1930s slang for fornication, G.W. Bush brought about the likes of Bono and Ozzy Osbourne to the White House. Hell, Clinton did it. Bush thought about it. Of course, Nixon did bring Elvis. What the hell are these characters thinking about? Future votes? From some of our AIDS-infected, dope-smoking, homosexual youth? Wow, what a fantasy. Well, let me see what else. Oh, yeah, we still don't have the guts to tell Israel to get off the dime. They've proven to be amongst the biggest mooches in our history. And we don't have the guts to tell them to stand on their own damn two feet and deal with the problems. Problems which they have caused to begin with. Retired Admiral Thomas Moore, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, speaking of Israel, once stated, I've never seen a president, I don't care who he is, stand up to them. They always get what they want. If the American people understood what grip these people have on our government, they would rise up in arms. Hmm. Maybe that's the reason they want our guns. Remember the USS Liberty? At what cost, Israel? Beyond all of that, we watch daily a government gone awry, steeped in corruption. And as we stated at the beginning of this commentary, nothing is free. There's a price to pay for everything. The sins of our mothers and fathers are coming home to roost due to the apathy of the American people, sheeple. 
Well, as I stated when I wrote this column originally back in May of 2002, you get it? 22 years ago, I wrote this column. My closing statement in that article was, I guess that's that there's enough to keep the Federal Observer coming your way for a while. See at the movies. And I signed it. It's interesting to go back and review some of these things that I wrote so long ago. And people will say to me, how did you know? was in my gut how did you not know I've been an avid student of history I've watched I've listened carefully these are the insane things that we are facing my friends coming up next hour we're also going to go back in time I'm going to share with you something that I published a good number of years ago. And it is a history lesson of sorts. You understand that I have a website called Sierra Madre Precious Metals. I am a precious metals broker and a dealer. And I'm not getting into a sales pitch next hour. That's not the point. It's to share some very profound history and things for those of you who are and have been buyers of things of precious metals, gold, silver, coins, bars, whatever the case may be. I'm going to share some things with you that I've not shared for a long, long time. And that's going to be the basis of next hour. So I hope you'll join us. What do we got for closing music? How long of a piece have we got? I'm ready anytime you are. Oh, okay, that's our yeah, close second hour. All right, here's some closing music. I'll be back in a few minutes. There's a hole in the world tonight. Don't let there be a hole in the world tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. There's a hole in the world tonight. There's a cloud of fear and sorrow. There's a hole in the world tonight. 
Super tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. Or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113. DrinkSuperTea.com. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Truth, truth.